Hey everyone, this is Tiffany. And this is Leah. And, and we're, we're in the Observation Bubble. Heavenly Creatures. Released in 1994, rated R. Ooh. It's listed as a, a biography, a crime drama. Yeah. Two teenage girls share a unique bond. Their parents, concerned that the friendship is too intense, separate them, and the girls take revenge. That they do. They do. And okay, I just said the word intense, and this is set in New Zealand, and it made me think of... Intense. It, it made me think of Flight of the Concords, and <laughs> two minutes is all you need because I'm so intense. <laughs> intense. Yes. Two minutes in heaven is better than one minute in heaven. <laughs> oh my God, this is so long. <laughs> <laughs> love them <laughs> this is uh both melanie linsky and kate winslet's acting debut actually oh yeah i didn't know that that was their acting debut it is i think kate winslet auditioned of a hundred and something girls mm-hmm. and melanie linsky they were trying to find actors that looked like the actual real people which and... i think that they did pretty good yeah and i think they found melanie linsky at her school is what i believe is mm-hmm. what i read Directed by Peter Jackson of Lord of the Rings fame, more than just about anything else. Uh, he made this before he made Lord of the Rings. Obviously, it was made in 1994. Right. He is not as well known, but he made a lot of, uh, or he made some horror films. And this is on the cusp of that. Yeah. With some of the, the violence in it. Yeah, it's at the end. Yeah. Is where I can see, like, the horror thrillery yeah they were he, he's not afraid of gore yeah no put it that way you say that this is their first movie mm-hmm. right with melanie linsky i can definitely I, I definitely wouldn't be able to tell that this was her movie her first movie kate winslet on the other hand especially in the art class <gasps> she was so breathy with everything that she said mario lanza and she was very loud whenever she spoke like you could hear her, her inhales mm-hmm. so often <laughs> Specifically in that one scene. It could be that maybe she had been acting like on, um, on stage. Oh yeah, that too. Because you have to project on yeah. stage. I've told you the story of my dad. Take care of her! <laughs> yes. It very well could be that she, uh, maybe she had worked on the stage and mm-hmm. um, that's why she was projecting. Maybe she was channeling something from what she believed of Juliet's character. Maybe. Yeah. Melanie Linsky plays... Pauline Parker, but her family calls her Yvonne. And at the towards the end of the movie, she is called Gina. Yeah. Which did they even explain where that came from? They gave each other these nicknames that okay. Uh, Kate Winslet plays Juliet Hume and Deborah. Juliet was Deborah to Pauline's Gina. But Deborah is one of the characters in their book. So is Gina. Is she? Yes. Because I know it was Deborah and Charles. Yes. And then their son. Gina was like a, I think she was like a tennis instructor or something. Gina was a character somehow in the stories that they made up. Oh, the floozy tennis instructor? Probably. Okay. (laughs) This is set in Christchurch, New Zealand. Mm Mm-hmm. 1952. Mm Mm-hmm. The way that the movie starts out, like it plays it out to be this lovely little town where everybody knows each other and it's such a great place to be. Wholesome. Everybody drives around on their, uh, on their bikes, second only to Copenhagen. It's picturesque. Yeah, it does that whole spiel, and then all of a sudden it yeah, just it's like cuts a, it's into... it's like a propaganda movie, like a tourist kind of thing. Yeah. And then it cuts into... Ah! 
screeching, screaming. Yes. These two little girls. They run out of the hedge. Yeah. Covered in blood. But, like, it switches between them being covered in blood and then them... running through a crowd. Mummy! Yeah, running through the crowd on, like, a ship. Yeah. Mummy! Yeah. I can see it in my mind's eye. (laughs) I guess we could also preface this by saying this is based on a true story. Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of infamous true crime story. Yeah. Out of New Zealand. The names are the same. Yeah, the names of the characters are the same. From everything that I can gather, mm-hmm. the movie is pretty true. Yeah, because they based, two facts. They based the movie on Pauline's journals. Yeah, they, from like, 1953 to 1954, where she described her relationship with Juliet. The voiceovers that you hear while you see Pauline writing in her journal are actually words from her journal. It's the actual writing of Pauline Parker. I didn't know that. I didn't yeah. know that it was like a word for word depiction. It, that, like it might have some stuff changed, but it's it's because some of that on. was pretty fucking wild. But I mean, yeah, the whole I mean, movie is pretty wild, but that yeah. shit got real wild. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, these were what uh, pre teenage girls. Yeah, they were fifteen and sixteen at the end of it. Uh, so when they started, what 13, 13 14. 14, somewhere in there. And that's it's a wild time. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And emotionally and... Um, Developmentally. Yeah. This is before now where all our teens and even our age are like dulled by... <laughs> the senses are dulled by TV. So they were... By the media. Making up all their own entertainment and were being very creative in a way that not all kids are these days. Some are. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but like... Not all of them. Not everyone's interested in making their own Because their imagination stuff. is pretty pretty vast. Yeah. They're writing a book together. Yeah. They are very detailed. They've got their characters, like... They fleshed them all the way out. Completely. They believe in this place so much, which I forgot what it's called. The I... Fourth World. Yeah, but... Oh, Barovnia? <laughs> that's the country they make up as Barovnia. Yeah. yeah. But they believe in it so much. And they had made model, like, clay figures and, and they stuff. They said they made uh, figures out of plasticine. Like, they daydream mm-hmm. about this place. Vividly. Very much they, so. They can, like, insert themselves into these daydreams. Mm-hmm. The way Peter Jackson made this movie look is really... Really cool. Yeah. The way he, like, brought their plasticine figures to life in the settings, added them in, and it was still kind of gory. Their imaginations were also pretty dark. (laughs) Just gonna go Uh, with that. (laughs) The reason they're imagining things up like this is because they both dealt with illnesses when they were young. They were both probably kind of isolated, and at least especially from their peers, Mm -hmm. with illnesses when they were young. Juliet with um, TB... Well, and Pauline yeah. with a, like a, almost like a degenerative bone disease kind of thing. Mm-hmm. She says all it the weird best though. people have bone, bad chest and bone diseases. It's all frightfully romantic. I wrote that in here. <laughs> that was one of my quotes. The whole movie is based on their friendship. It's mm-hmm. whenever Juliet moves to the town of Christchurch. Mm-hmm. She walks into school and Pauline just like kind of sets eyes on her and she's like, ah, who is this twit? They get introduced whenever they're in their French class. And whenever she corrects the teacher, that's whenever she really catches the eye of Pauline. Yes. She's like, oh, she's standing up to him. Okay, cool, 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 she, cool. She goes a little against the grain. Yeah. Especially get- because Pauline is so... She's very internalized. She's very reserved. Yeah. 
she makes me think of kind of like me a little bit. I had some like core friends, mm-hmm. but before that, like when we were in high school and the one year I was there, <laughs> um, and if I wasn't around you, people knew me and I knew them, but I wasn't like hanging out with them. Right. My dad watched me leave school once and a bunch of people said bye to me. He's like, oh man, you have a lot of friends. I was like, eh. I mean, I know them. He's like, oh, so you're infamous. I was like, I'll take that. <laughs> I don't know if that's accurate, but I'll take it. Right. Yeah. Sure. People know of me. Like like when you first see Pauline walk into school, she's, she's closed up. She's, mm-hmm. you know, hugging her books and got her head down and all. But people say hi to her and she smiles and is like, hi. Yeah, like she's cordial with people. Yeah. But she's not interested in any of them, truly. Yeah. Until Juliet. Yes. Going back to the French class. Mm-hmm. The fact that Juliet chooses Antoinette as her name speaks a lot of her personality. Mm-hmm. Like that's the first impression that you give to your French teacher and to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's just ready to chop all the heads off. <laughs> <laughs> She's getting her body right off the bat. Yeah. I did see something that said the way her teachers were kind of going back at her sit down and blah, 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 and start again with her art class, that they, mm-hmm. that the real Juliet Hume's teachers did not do that because of who her father was. He was the yeah. rector, rector at Canterbury College? I know, he was somebody at the Canterbury College. The yeah, like the president college. of the college or something, something like that, right? that. I don't know, but he was somebody at the college and they yeah. would not have Dr. gone... Dr. Hume. They would not have gone back at her like that because of him and his position. His peers... Or the people he worked with didn't like him. Mm-hmm. But the teachers at her school would have wanted to impress him. And so they would not have gone back at her like Which that. Which to me is like, why? Maybe they thought they'd get a better job. Instead of working at the ghoul, ghoul, the ghoul school. <laughs> that's not... That's because I'm in spooky mode. Um, <laughs> girls school. Yes, the old girls school. I think oh. your drawing's fantastic. Stop! <laughs> I'm sorry. <gasps> Quite literally, I just read, I think your drawing's fantastic. <laughs> and I was like, mm. Oh, I just made a noise like the lion from the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> but yes. I think your drawing's fantastic. Yes. Yeah, so intense. So intense. It's, it is because it's so like whispery and breathy. She I like think, she like pops up from around a canvas, looks at, at it, looks at her in the eyes. I think fantastic. Like, no smile, nothing. Stone face. I think your drawing's fantastic. Yes. So, yeah. She didn't get try. I'm going to try to predict everything you've written now (laughs) for the rest of the podcast. I'm going to try to predict your favorite quotes. (laughs) But Juliet did not get along very well initially with her teachers. But, yeah. So, with Juliet and the way that she is an independent type, not afraid of speaking her mind. Yes. That... Pauline immediately becomes, like, enamored with Mm her. I I wonder, I used to think that, like, she looked at Juliet, like, of how she wanted to be, Mm -hmm. but didn't necessarily feel like she could be. embodied who she wanted to be. Yeah. This, to me, is solidified by the fact that Juliet mentions briefly, Mario Lanza, the world's greatest tenor. And she immediately goes out. No, she doesn't buy it. It's at no, home. No, it's at home. Yeah. But she immediately goes home and rifles through their album collection, finds it, and pops it on. And she's just like vibing so hard with it. Yeah. 
But it's like she was trying so hard to, to take it, it seriously. Yeah. yeah. To be moved by it the way Juliet is, obviously. Yeah. Okay, but her dad has a great joke there. He <laughs> says, hey, is that the famous Irish tenor, Murray Olanza? Murray Olanza? Get it? Irish? Uh-huh. Yeah. And she's, she's like, he's Italian, dad. <laughs> World's greatest tenor. Using Julia. I'm going to do the accent. I can't help it. We've got to stop watching movies with accents <laughs> in them. I don't think it adds a certain flair. I, I hope. She was quoting the exact words that Juliet used to mm-hmm. describe Mario Lanza, not Marie Olanza. Yeah. I don't know if he was the world's greatest tenor, but he was certainly a tenor. <laughs> Pauline's family runs like a boarding house. Mm-hmm. And this guy came in and bought a new record, and he was so keen and keyed up to listen to his new Doris Day record. And she, like, was like, Droop. Yeah, just skirt Mario Lanza time. And he's like, oh, but Doris Day. And they're all like, oh, you gotta be quicker than that in this house. Yeah. This was before, like, they really interacted much beyond the, your drawing's fantastic. Yeah. That, But Pauline goes home and is like, it's solidifying her kind of near obsession with her like oh i like this girl this is gonna be good but they don't they haven't really interacted yet in person yeah see and that's why i say that she was like immediately enamored with her Mm -hmm. because she just as soon as she met her just tried to imitate certain actions of juliet's because after pauline does that whole music thing with mario lanza at some point it was she had grabbed the album and headed towards juliet's place Mm mm-hmm which, to me, how do you know where she lives? I'm sure she told her. I mean, I guess. <laughs> but, anyhow. So, Pauline is... Because they, they, <clears throat> they interacted a little bit at school after that. Oh, well, yeah. Because that's, that's when the... they had the, the bad chest and bone diseases. Yes. Conversation. So, they, they had gotten... They had talked a little bit more. Yeah. And then, I guess, um, Juliet invited her over to the house to play make-believe. Yeah, and whenever she got there, I mean, Juliet was all... She was decked out. Yeah, as like a renaissance princess. Mm -hmm. As soon as Pauline gets there, Juliet is on top of a bridge and it's just all... It's very fluffy. (laughs) She's got her organza type sleeves just billowing in the wind behind her as she frolics through the trees. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm painting a picture here, okay? You certainly are. Then all of a sudden she's attacked by her little brother and she's like, oh, come on, Paul. Embrace. I'm trying so hard not to use accents. <laughs> and so they're running after, she's running after this little boy I assume she hasn't met yet. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a, a scuffle. They're attacked by the little boy. It's Juliet's little brother and he jumps on Pauline's back. Yeah. Then get knocked to the ground and the Mario Lanza record gets Yeah, broken. Paul brought her Mario, Mario Lanza record. Like, I guess she was gonna, they were gonna bond over it. Like, hey, I've got one, too. I love him, too. Yeah. So, right after this... It's Mario. Right after this, Juliet... <laughs> it's a me! It's Mario! A me, Mario! <laughs> after Paul was attacked... Yeah. And, uh, the album, the record was broken, Juliet decided to bring Paul back to their house and rifle through their records and decide on one to give to Paul mm-hmm. as a replacement for her brother breaking theirs. Yeah. And whenever she gets there, she just like completely walks all over her parents. Yeah. They might as well just not be there. Yeah. Especially her dad. He's there. Like he works for a college. So he's like writing something and doing like important shit. And she's like, daddy won't mind if we play records. Yeah. <laughs> their mom is like, oh, your daddy's doing work, dear. 
Mm-hmm. They're British, okay? They are, yes. They moved from... Well, they are originally from Britain and came to New yeah. Zealand. So that wasn't a terrible New Zealand accent. It was a terrible British accent, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but she's all like, your daddy's trying to do work, dear. And, oh, daddy won't mind. You know. Daddy can work while we're playing records. Yeah. While he's just, like, sitting there just getting more and more frustrated. Tries to get up. Juliet just runs in front of him, knocks him back down. And starts dancing with Pauline. And she's loving it. She's loving watching her just, like, run straight over her parents. Because it's so she would different. Never. Yeah. yeah. There's no way that she could. She comes from a more humble setting and with parents who are more strict. Mm-hmm. As opposed to Juliet, who comes from a more wealthy setting, but has, also has free reign. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, they're running a boarding house, so Pauline and her her older sister have probably always had to, like, toe the line. Right. Because they have strangers in their house. Mm-hmm. Well, between that and then also, you know, Juliet, she doesn't have that strong parental background because her parents abandoned her in the Bahama for five years. That's true. It's like the juxtaposition between their mm-hmm. upbringing Their dynamics. It's quite different. Pauline really envies the fact of how free Juliet is. Yeah, so it's just it's just pretty funny to see the differences between their upbringings and then how um, they like But I mean when you think about it also, Pauline's family dynamic looks warmer. Mhm. Which always seems to kind of Yeah, because the parents be the are way. more involved. Yeah. Which in the long run, they genuinely want what's best for Paul and she genuinely gives no fucks. <laughs> to say the very least, I concur. Yes. I also feel like because there's a part of the movie where I don't think it's immediately after Paul first meets Juliet's parents, Paul and Juliet, they end up frolicking through the forest together, stripping off clothes and rolling oh, yes, around in the glass. It's after that because they do that to the donkey song. Uh, but yeah, they're just like running around, frolicking, rolling around in the grass and stuff. And I was like, man, this is their relationship seems like what what a teenage boy feels like girl friendships are like. Yeah. Like the whole slumber party. Slumber pillow pillow fighting in our undies. Slumber parties and pillow fights and stuff like that. But yeah, it was weird because they were riding their bikes to the donkey song and then all of a sudden Paul kind of veers off when she gets to a car and they're in the woods and then all of a sudden they're stripping, (laughs) running through the woods. Yeah, because Paul pretends that she had died and Juliet is very distressed and then Paul just like gets up and starts running away like, ha got you. Oh, you've been eating onions. Ah." Yeah. And then they're just like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. We're so crazy. And start stripping. Like, Like, okay. Let's (laughs) turn up the crazy a little bit. And then they come across this like farmer dude. He's just like, oh, hello, random young girls in your underwear. Look away immediately, sir. (laughs) And they just keep, they just start, they start singing the donkey song again and run away in their underwear. Shortly after this scene, though, is whenever they introduce the saints. Yes. They've started to spend more time together. Mm-hmm. And I've read about the, the real people that Paul liked to spend time at Juliet's house yeah. like, as much as she could. It's kind of like um, there was this little girl who lived down the street from me and she had central air. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I always wanted to go to her house and she always wanted to go to my house because we had a trampoline. But I was like, but you have cable and central air. <laughs> So we could just go watch TV at your house. And she would, we could do that for a little bit, but then she wanted to like go outside and play. And I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> That's whenever you go home. You're like, mm. no, I'd stay at her house and watch MTV. It's <laughs> like, no, you can go use the trampoline. It's fine. I don't care. But it was probably more like Pauline just really liked to be there, mostly because Juliet was there and she liked their freedom they had there mm-hmm. more than their house where her mom would probably micromanage her and like want her to help around the house and stuff. Right. Not like she just wanted to use somebody for air conditioning. I was a horrible <laughs> child, I know. Anyway, so yeah, at some point there, it looks like they're outside 
Yeah, they're like outside by that bridge Mm -hmm. where Paul first saw Juliet in the Renaissance gear. And they're talking about the fourth world. And they are stating that certain actors and or singers would be considered saints in the fourth world. Yeah. The fourth world is like, Pauline says something like, we're all going to heaven. She's like, I'm not. I'm going to the fourth world. Mm. It's like heaven, but it's better because there aren't any Christians. Right. That's like, whoa. Okay. (laughs) She really did it. She really did it to him right there, huh? I girl. Yeah. And so that they're cutting out pictures like from magazines. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they have their saints from there. And they are Mario Lanza. Obviously. Operatic film tenor. The world's greatest tenor. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, James Mason, who is an actor. Mel Ferrer. Ferrer. I don't know how to say his name, but he is an actor. Okay. And Jesse Bjorling, an operatic tenor. That's what I read on IMDb. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Pauline tries to offer up the possibility of Orson Welles. Yeah, because she was saying, I don't remember why, but Juliet was saying this, giving them each names, this, that. Him. uh, They. He. Yeah. And Pauline goes, she says, okay, the word is it, I-T, but she says et. Yeah. Because she's from New New Zealand. Zealand. So it's et. Yeah. Et. (laughs) And it's Orson Welles and Juliet throws off it. Yeah, she's like, take, grabs the picture and just like chucks it she into says, the water. Orson Welles, the ugliest man alive. Oh, yeah. And throws this picture into the wall. So dramatic. And it's like at that point, that's whenever you really recognize the fact that Juliet is pretty toxic. Yeah. Because it's either her way or no way. Yeah. You know, but Pauline very- goes right along with it because she wants to. wants Juliet to be happy. Juliet is the dom (laughs) and Pauline is the sub. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) I feel like we're getting to the stuff that we can't really speak on. (laughs) I mean, personality wise. Yeah. Yes. That she has a more dominant personality. Yes. (laughs) But she's very controlling in their friendship and in life just generally. You know, it's, and I think a lot of friendships are that way. Like that you have someone who is the leader and you defer to them. I've often felt that way with you because I never wanted to be the leader. <laughs> you would ask me, Hey, do you want to go do this? And I would tell you no, because I knew I could mm-hmm. because I was safe with you. You weren't going to judge me for not wanting to go do things. And I've tried to overcome that a little bit and not do that to you anymore. <laughs> and just like turn you down all the time. <laughs> Cause like I've, I knew I could tell you, I really don't feel like going out and peopling today, but I'm trying to be better about that now. But, like, a lot of times, I think, in friendships, there's someone who takes the lead and someone who defers. Yeah, but there's, like, a difference between somebody taking the lead and then somebody being controlling. Yeah. And I feel like Juliet is just, like... But Pauline's fine with it, so... Yeah, I mean, yeah, she's cool with it, but... Except she really likes Orson Welles. <laughs> she does. come up later. Yeah, she really, like, enjoys Orson Welles, and she's not allowed to like Orson Welles. He's not allowed to be a saint in the fourth no. world. So it's like her opinion doesn't matter. Yeah. I feel like I skipped a whole bunch. (laughs) Because I just went straight to Jay's parents are going to a conference in England for a couple of weeks. Oh, like, so they they take a trip out of town Mm -hmm. and take Pauline with them. They tell Juliet that uh, her dad's going to England and and mom's going Mm -hmm. with him. She's like, well, I should go too. And they're like... No, you, you're in school. You have to stay here. And she's, ugh, heartbroken. And, uh... Which, I mean, you can't really blame her. No, not at all. <laughs> Especially <laughs> since she's been left behind by them before. They said she had to convalesce. You know, she had to get better. Obviously. 
five years. <laughs> It'd get very better. <laughs> very much so. Uh, but I'd also thought about it, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sure that the little brother was in school at the time. Yeah. Did they, ta- did they say they were taking him? Did they take him? They never really said. No, he's he's just kind of like a, he's just kind of. He's an afterthought character. He and Pauline's sister both are there for when they need to be. Yeah. Um, Which isn't much. No. <laughs> but this is the trip where they, <laughs> okay, it gets a little trippy here. <laughs> uh, stay with me. This is the trip where they discover that they can visit, see the fourth world. Mm, mm-hmm. And that they've had the key all along. Yes. I don't think they divulge to us what the key is, but it has been in their possession all along, apparently. Yeah, I think it's just... I... And they walk into a pretty garden scene, and that's the fourth world. Yeah, like, and with the clay people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think it's just them broadening their minds and just making shit up as they go. Yeah, if they were older, I would have thought they did mushrooms or something, oh, but... for sure. I mean, uh, I've never known mushrooms, but I can only imagine, you know? <laughs> I've seen enough movies, okay? <laughs> uh, and then, they, they, like, Pauline... So, Pauline has gotten her first journal at this point because she's doing a voiceover. Like, they make it a point to show Pauline receiving the journals as a Christmas present. Yeah. That she wrote in. Um, from her parents. Mm-hmm. Which is just... Anyway. <laughs> uh, that sounds stupid the way I said now. it, but I meant it because she is plotting yeah in these and that'll be pertinent to the story later mm-hmm. and she talks about how they realize they had the key and they've decided they're only going to go to into the fourth world once a year one day a year and like they've made this whole thing yeah they have like it. a whole list of rules for yeah. the fourth world at this moment that's whenever they discover that they are heavenly creatures mm-hmm. and right before Juliet's parents are leaving for this trip they discover that Juliet has tuberculosis in one lung. Yeah. Like she was coughing up blood in schools. When yeah, it was like it. in their English class. Yeah, they thought Juliet was getting like, being like a smart aleck by coughing because yeah. she had been smart aleck. Um, yeah. Started out that way. And then they're like, she was continuing it by coughing and disrupting Her teacher class. turns around and she's like, stop it! <laughs> and then you see her coughing and there's blood on the paper and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, serious time. Yeah. Oh, shit. Shit just got real. For real. Yeah. Come to find out, she has tuberculosis in one lung, and it cuts to a scene with Juliet and her parents and her talking to them about their trip. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, well, it's too late for us to cancel now, dear, but in case you want us to, we, we can. We could cancel. Yeah. She's like, like nah. <laughs> Go ahead. Because she knows that they didn't want to be there, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, and you would think that if your kid has TB, you might actually want to be there for her. Yeah. But no. Especially back then mm. when TB it was, was so prevalent bad. and killing so many people. Yeah. Yeah. Louisville had a whole hospital here. Yeah. Haunted. Meh. <laughs> Allegedly. Whatever. But I thought that it was really weird whenever they found out that Juliet had tuberculosis and... Pauline stated that she wishes that she could get tuberculosis in one lung. Like, <laughs> it's like she wants to be Juliet as much as she wants to be with Juliet. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like a whole weird thing. Like, why would, I, I, I don't know. I just don't understand wishing that type of illness upon yourself. Yeah. I cannot, or anybody. Cannot relate to that. Not at all. 
Since they couldn't see each other, they began to write each other. Mm -hmm. And this is whenever they started calling each other Deborah. Yeah. They wrote to each other as the royal couple of this world they created, Baravnia. Mm -hmm. They wrote to each other as Charles and Deborah. Yeah. Like they wrote about the affairs of state and the happenings and the doings of their son. and Who's just like a straight up fucking demon child? Diello. Yellow is a full-on psychopath. Yeah, like fucking murdering nannies and shit. Yeah. And it seems like whenever they were not able to be around each other, they and the deeper that they got into Baravnia... Yes. Yes. So the deeper that they delved into Baravnia, it's like the more unstable mentally they became. Because at one point in art class, it cuts to Pauline and you know, the art that she's creating in art class and it's all these, like, dead people and she's got, like, red paint and she's fucking splattering blood all over everybody. Yeah. And Juliet daydreamed of beheading a priest. Yeah, there's several times in the movie where they internally are dreaming of someone being killed or or dying violently. Yeah. During the entire movie, they're not the most stable of children, you know? Like, of people in general. Mm -hmm. And they fantasize a lot about death and maiming and torture and stuff like that. Well, it's all to be said. They were determined to be of sound mind eventually. Just saying. <laughs> so I think they're they're imaginative. Yeah. In a, a really dark and scary to us way. Yeah. But they are of sound mind. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> there comes a point whenever Juliet is better and... Or doing better. She's not better yet, but she's she's getting there. And Pauline gets to go visit her with Juliet's dad. Because Juliet's dad picks Pauline up. And then they go and visit Juliet at the hospital. Juliet is super excited to see Pauline. Could have given a shit less about her dad being there. Yeah. Which, honestly, can't blame her. (laughs) I mean, the dude just left her there. Oh, no. Is that when they went to pick her up, though? Because she went with with her mother. Pauline went once with her mother. Yeah. That That, was first. Yeah. When Juliet was doing better. Yeah. And then she went with Juliet's dad to pick her up and bring her home. Okay. So it was whenever Pauline went with her mom and they were talking and, you know, having girl conversation and such. Pauline introduces this character, John, who's a boarder at her family's house. Which, as soon as the dude, walk- dude walked in, he was immediately suspect. Yeah. Because as he's walking towards the kitchen and Pauline is sitting at the table... He, like, eyes her. Like, being a 14-year-old. Yeah. He's immediately sus. (laughs) Which truly comes to effect later. But at this point, Pauline is just introducing this guy. Yeah. Like, talking to Juliet about him. Yeah. And Juliet gets very jealous because she's like, is this why you haven't responded to my last letter yet? And, like, starts to cry and stuff. And Pauline's like, no, now. No, fuck him. He ain't he ain't shit. Like yeah. he's just a stupid boy. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, ah, oh, relatable. <laughs> when I first watched this, I was like, oh yes, just a stupid boy. <laughs> I was before bros. But come to find out later on, yeah. John makes his way into John is a pedophile. Yeah. They never really disclose how old that he is. If he's boarding, you imagine he's over eighteen and he's like there for work or something. Yeah. Pauline is living in, like, the family's guest house, so she's Mm -hmm. not in the house with the boarders, which, smart until this happens. So, he 
tells her he loves her. And, uh, it's gross. Yeah, because it's like it's cold outside. Yeah. He comes down from the main house down to her little guest room. He doesn't have any shoes on, so he decides to make that his way to get into yeah. her bed to warm up. He says he wanted to like borrow something to read or something, but then he's like, "Oh, it's cold. Can I just like get in your bed and, and warm she's up?" Like, like, shades of abducted in plain sight. <laughs> but she breaks and she allows him to... Yeah, she like warms up. Oh God, warms up to him. <laughs> she like gets and starts talking to him like she does to whoever about her weird character, or about school. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, I love you. And she calls him by a name of somebody in Barovnia in their story. Nicholas. Yeah. He's like, that's not my name. She's like, well, I prefer... He's like, my name's John. She's like, I prefer Nicholas. And he's like, I'll be whoever you want me to be. And then things go... <laughs> gross yeah and her dad storms out and turns the light on and sees john in her bed and tells him to get back up to the house and he just looks and he's like you've broken my heart yvonne because they mm-hmm. call her yvonne it's her middle name and the next day it's her mother railing at her saying you're only 15 okay she's 15 sorry i said she was 14 whatever she says she says something <laughs> and she calls her a stupid little tart and i'm like this dude crawled into your child's bed and you're yelling at her yeah I mean, yes, she's old enough. She knows some things, but at the same time, it's, I know. Well, they did kick him out. Yes, as they should have. Yeah. But should have listened to her and said, did you, I, I, that's, that's a whole, the whole other argument to make. Yeah, that's like a, a But power. that really shifts, shifts the relationship. Or you mm-hmm. see the first big crack in the relationship between Pauline and her mother, Honora. Yes. And it's been happening all along. They've been watching Pauline and Juliet and seeing how intense, intense their friendship is getting. And it bothers all of them. Mm-hmm. But this is the first big crack you see. Yeah. And at this point, though, they hadn't actually... John and Pauline hadn't actually done the deed. Yeah. But shortly after, Pauline sneaks out of the house at night, goes to John's new place, and she says, this is whenever I actually knew that I lost my virginity. And the whole time... There's no question now. Yeah, and the whole time that they are doing the thing, she's imagining the fourth world. Yeah. And any and it's like, it kept breaking between reality and the fourth world, and it's like she just kept trying to escape yeah. to the fourth world to instead like, of... To, like, literally go to her happy place. Yeah. So it's like... She was only using John to get back to her parents and be, you know, just like, just really rebel against them in that aspect. Like, oh, you fucking think I did some shit with this dude? Well, I'm actually going to do it. I'm now. actually going to do it now. Yeah. It's actually happening now. Still gross. Um, <laughs> she's trying so hard to think of the fourth world and he finally like gets her attention and makes her come back to the moment. She's like, I'm really done here. Yeah. I have to go. <laughs> yeah. Cause she's like crying. Yeah. While she's imagining the fourth world, she's walking through the clay people, mm-hmm. but she sees Juliet's face and that's what really, you know, like affected her. Mm-hmm. And shortly after Juliet gets released, mm-hmm. she comes home, Pauline and Juliet's dad go to pick her up from the hospital on the way back. They're holding hands. Dad notices. Mm-hmm. And he's like, <laughs> He's, big eyes, the cartoon big eyes, like, Ooh. yeah, like, oh no, that's not good. <clears throat> yeah, to them, you know. And uh, oh, this is whenever they consider themselves heavenly creatures. Yes, that's when she says it. Yeah, yeah. So my bad. It's all good. So Juliet's dad becomes very curious of the girl's relationship and their bond, 
And he goes and he tells Pauline's parents about it. Mm-hmm. Whenever he goes and tells Pauline's parents, Pauline's mom breaks down and cries. And she's like distraught of the fact that her daughter could have these thoughts. In this conversation between the parents, Juliet's dad, he says that he is concerned of their disturbed behavior, unhealthy friendship, unwholesome attachments, and wayward fashion. Yeah. What it is is they think their kids might be gay. Before they knew how to say that. And at this time, it was still thought of as a mental illness. Yeah. That you could, like, be cured of or something. Pauline is made to have an appointment with a child psychologist. He insists that she gets more friends Mm -hmm. so that she's not spending as much time with Juliet. So she's not solely focused on her. Like, this is what's going to help, air quotes, help their relationship. He encourages her to spend time with boys. Yeah. Which is stupid. It's all, yeah. <laughs> Coming from who I am and watching this type of shit, like it pisses you off. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really yeah. bothersome. Yeah, it's really bothersome. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Coming from how we think, <laughs> this is this is complete opposite. And see the one that says homosexuality. Did I guess another one? <laughs> yes. He says. After he talks with Pauline, she goes out into the waiting room. Mom comes in, and that's whenever he says, Homosexuality. And he says that it's a passing phase, and he speaks of it as if it is a disease. Yeah. Says that he knows, you know, different treatments and all this other type of stuff to normalize her. And the whole time, we've been through this. I'm just like, Ugh, but, uh. Yeah. But with this news and now Pauline's parents... Can I just say something real quick? Yes. That I love that there's a sign behind Pauline and also I think her mother that says, Be a healthy kiwi. And it's a little kiwi bird. And that's the <laughs> national bird of New Zealand. I didn't notice that. I notice everything. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but after this interaction with the child psychologist, it gets Pauline in a very negative headspace as you would expect both the Humes and the Parkers? Yeah, they don't have the same last name. Pauline's parents. She's Tenora Parker and he's Paul Reaper. Well, okay. Uh, but it's Pauline's parents. Yeah. They weren't technically married. Okay, so both Juliet and Pauline's parents. Oh, that's something. I think through all this time, Pauline is actually known as Pauline Reaper. And her name was changed to Pauline Parker when it was found out later on that her parents were never married. Mm-hmm. So. And then they made her take her mother's maiden name. Yes. Yeah. So the parents discuss that they believe that it's just best for the girls to not hang out with each other. And this is whenever Pauline starts to have thoughts of suicide, not having the person who she cares about be in her life anymore. Yeah. She's in a negative headspace. She's not very motivated about anything in life. Come to find out, she's starting to fail her classes in school. Her and her mom get into this really big fight. Mm-hmm. Her mom eventually tells her, if you want to drop out of school, do it. Go figure out a way to pay for your own shit, pretty much. Yeah. Pay your way. Yeah. And like she's a boarder and not their child living there. Mm-hmm. And she goes and gets a job as a transcriber, mm-hmm. is what it, it never really says, but that's what it looks like to she's me. She's typing. Yeah. But... In the argument with Pauline and her mother, you know, like, above Pauline's bed, she has, like, the pictures of people, like, the boys and stuff. George, or... Mario Lanza? Mario Lanza and the, the Orwell. Saints. What's... Oh, we'll just Orson say the Saints. Wells. 
<laughs> She's not supposed to have a picture of Orson Welles, though. Yeah, but above her bed, she has pictures of the Saints and Orson Welles. Mm-hmm. And also, she has five, like, five pictures of Juliet that she has drawn. Somewhere in um, Pauline's movie bedroom is a picture of the real Juliet Hume. Hmm. Yeah. I read that. I didn't see it. I didn't notice it. I read it. <laughs> <laughs> we know it's there now. Yeah. But that's pretty cool. Yeah. And uh, I will say that they're not exact doppelgangers, but they mm-hmm. they do look very much alike yeah, to they're... their characters. Yeah. Because to the real people. More so Juliet and Kate Winslet. Because they both have very feminine... There's something about the way Melanie Linsky and her hair and the way the she manipulated her she face yeah. looked very much like Pauline Parker's face. Mm-hmm. At least in her mugshot. <laughs> yeah. So Pauline gets a job. She's out doing her thing now. The next thing that I have is, because I know there was a big break in time whenever I just stopped taking notes and I actually started watching the movie solely. During this time, it's whenever Juliet's mom has the affair with Mr. Perry. Yes. Juliet's mom is a, is a another psychologist or, or yeah, therapist. She, yeah. yeah, she's like a relationship. Yes, she's a marriage right. counselor type thing. And this man comes to her for his marriage and she's like, oh. I have a therapy for you. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> <laughs> they end up doing some things. They have an affair. So Juliet's mom convinces Juliet's dad that Mr. Perry is sick and he will need a place to stay. Well, they happen to have this big house. With an extra room. Mm. Look at that. Mm. So, Mr. Perry, Bill, 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 moves into the house and... I'm anticipating your next quote. The balloon has gone up! No? No. Okay, okay. okay. (laughs) (laughs) So, Mr. Perry moves into the house well, whenever he's moving into the house, being brought to the house, Juliet is imagining how he gets there. He pulls up in just like a regular car. He gets out. He's like, hey, what's good? You know? Well, in her mind. Not looking sick at all. In her mind, she imagined him getting out of an ambulance. And she was very enthralled at that because Deathly she says, Ill. she says there's something desperately exciting about bodies on stretches. Didn't guess that one, did Didn't you? guess that one. I had forgotten about that. I'm sorry, I'm <laughs> scratching my finger. Uh, no, I'd forgotten about that. <laughs> she didn't get her way, though, because he's just like, hey, how you doing? Not looking sick at all, which is sus. Yeah. Why are you moving this quote-unquote sick man, mm-hmm. who's obviously not sick, into our... This, this young, virile, good-looking dude. <laughs> Subjective. Yeah. I don't actually think so. That's just the point it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. Compared to her stuffy, short, older husband. I don't know why I had to throw short in there. I'm sorry. <laughs> she was taller than her husband, and this guy's taller than her. It's, I'm, yeah. it's a, no offense. There was a big age difference between them as well. It seemed to be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anywho's. So, Juliet eventually catches her mother and Bill. The balloon has gone up. And the balloon has gone up. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but that's what she says. I believe it's the... Mm-hmm. I didn't think that's what it meant, but I mean... I mean, that's my only assumption about it. But she's like gonna blackmail him. This much money, Paul and I are going to Hollywood or else I'm blabbing to daddy. And then she's like, uh, your dad already knows. Yeah. Daddy knows, dear. <laughs> and she's all like, 
he's a third. <laughs> and it's like, how progressive of them. But, because um, no. Bill's a cuck and uh, <laughs> dad's a simp. <laughs> Let's put this in modern terms, okay? Bill's a cuck, dad's a simp, yeah. mom's a boss, boss bitch. No. Uh, but yeah. We could put a wop in there somewhere, I don't know. Uh, sorry, I clapped into the mic. Selling macaroni in a pot. <laughs> Everybody knows, though. Everybody knows what that sounds like. Yeah, it's... <clears throat> listen, we're not fooling anybody. Anyway, let's move on from that. <laughs> so she thinks she's doing something and going to get money for her and Pauline to move to Hollywood. Because I guess at some point they've had contact again in here. Mm-hmm. I don't remember when they started having contact again, but they did. And they've decided that they're going to move to Hollywood. Somewhere in here there's a bath scene yeah. where they're in the bath together and Pauline thinks, I think I'm going crazy. And she says, no, you're not, Gina. It's mm. everyone else who's bonkers. And she actually says it really weird like that, too. Yeah. And the thing about it, though, was that with this scene, I'm like, is she, is this really happening? Or is this like an imagined thing? Because at that point in time, you never really know. Yeah. Or at least in my mind, I didn't really know. Throughout the thing, I mean, they weave their imaginations into the real world scenarios. Like, Juliet imagined a priest being murdered mm-hmm. in while she was in the hospital with TB. Uh, Pauline imagined the, the psychiatrist being murdered when he was talking to her. Pauline eventually imagines both of her parents being murdered at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. So you, it's, it's a fair, a fair thing to say. You don't know what's, what all is real and what's their imagination. Right. And it's just like, especially like how you said that Julia actually said it in that manner. Yeah. Like where it's over dramatized. Dramatized. Yep. To where it's over-dramatized that really just, like, made me toe the line of, is this supposed to be a real thing or is she imagining Juliet being there with her? But that's, like, that's where they float the idea (laughs) in the bathtub. They float the idea first (laughs) of of going away and where should we go? And Mm -hmm. they decide on Hollywood at some point they're going to be film stars. Yeah. And And they're taking pictures of each other in the bathroom. And the dad's like, I think they're taking photographs. (laughs) And she's, I'm sure it's all perfectly innocent. Meanwhile, she's getting non-perfectly innocent or perfectly <laughs> non-innocent with the cook, Mr. Perry. Yeah. And they try to like steal things. Yeah. they like, doesn't work. Yeah. They have like candlesticks and all kinds of silverware. And at some point she decides that she's going to bribe or blackmail Bill Mom, and mummy. Mm-hmm. Or is she going to tell dad? And she's like, uh, dad already knows we've decided to live together and as a thruple. But not actually involve him. <laughs> yeah, and then eventually you find out that Juliet's parents are formally getting a divorce. And she, like, screams into yeah. the abyss. She fucking loses it. And yeah. Pauline has to come console her. And she's devastated, too, by mummy and daddy mm-hmm. getting... I was like, bitch, those are not your parents. Well, she's also devastated at the fact that she cannot get a passport. Oh, yeah. So even if they were able to get the money for it, she couldn't go anywhere until she was at least 20. Yeah. Because her mom and dad won't sign for it or something. Yeah, they won't sign for the passport. Which, um, good. Being good parents, if you don't want your child to run away with the person they're obsessed with. Yeah. Uh, yes. Very good parenting. (laughs) A plus double check smiley face. Until. 100 underlined twice. (laughs) Until they decide that it's okay for the girls to live together for the last three weeks of Juliet's existence in New Zealand. That was a mistake, yes. They thought they were doing the right thing. Come to find out, they were not. That was not a good idea. 
in this three weeks that they are together, they further lead themselves into their disillusionment of the world. Mm -hmm. They try to convince each other that they're crazy. Yeah. And they start to devise a plan for Pauline's mother's death. There is a whole scene where they go see a movie that Orson Welles is in. Mm -hmm. And then they imagine they're being chased by Orson Welles as they run back to Juliet's house. I almost called her Julia. Juliet's house. And then they get back to Juliet's house and they have intimate moments. It's implied. Heavily. That they are having intimate moments with each other. Mm-hmm. And pretending that the other is Orson Welles briefly, but then they realize that it's each other. Because they go through as each one of the saints. Oh, yeah. They don't show that, though. No. You just see Orson Welles <laughs> and them. Yeah. But it's interesting because in real life, Juliet Hume, I know, has said, and maybe Pauline Parker as well, has said that they never were physical with each other. That's hmm. said in Pauline's diary, but Juliet says it never happened. Didn't know that. I read it and I watched a briefcase video on YouTube. It's good stuff. He, you have to speed it up though because he talks really slow. Oh, does he? And it sounds chopped up like he <laughs> edited it heavily. I think he also has a podcast. But in reference to the night in which they were spending with each other and they became one familiar with each other. One, two, become one. Pauline references this night as they spent a hectic night going through the saints. It was wonderful. And it's just like weird. <laughs> not weird well i mean also considering that this is their first movie yeah these girls and they are like topless and they still look very young they're probably not actually 14 15 but yeah no they still look very they're still very young mm-hmm. i wonder how old kate winslet was in this movie because you legit see her titties yeah this was her first nude scene and she talked about let me find that on imdb real quick uh, in a September 2020 interview, Kate Winslet recalled a very embarrassing moment during filming when she and Melanie Linsky were topless and about to do an intimate scene. One of the other camera boys, as we're lining up a shot and we're both in our little indies, naked from the waist up, I heard him as an aside say to someone else, well, I guess it's hard dicks day, boys. That is disgusting. I was like, uh, but I did this weird thing that you do when you're younger of just going, well, that wasn't very nice, but we better not say anything. And so I just carried on. I must have sort of buried it because I'd forgotten. But now it's crystal clear. I can actually remember what the guy looked like. I remember his name and he really was a nice guy. But when you're younger, you do this nonsense thing of just thinking that's what men say. Mm-hmm. And they do it sometimes like they're breathing. Winslet said that because she never had an actress looking over her early in her career, she took it upon herself to provide that support for others. Oh, I didn't even see how old she was. Um, I got real worked up. I'm sorry. But it's like whenever you're younger, you do kind of excuse away. I mean, it's I just can, boys being boys type I things. Can, I have a very vivid memory of excusing something like that so mm-hmm. and she was now 19. she was 19 at the time well she had to be over 18 yeah and now it's like hell no nah. nowadays things have been more talked about mm-hmm. i feel like it's more well known that that shit just doesn't fly yeah now like it did in 1994 even if she was legally an adult that's still fucked up to say yeah what happened with me was i was tutoring this kid and he <laughs> It's like a piece of paper or something, but he did something with it. He's like, look, it's my, it's like my winky. And he had it in his lap and stuff. And I knew it was weird, but I kept on tutoring him. Mm -hmm. And I told my dad about it later because it was weird. I didn't know it was wrong or gross, but it was weird to me. And he told, I told him and he said, okay, I'm going to talk to somebody at school. And I said, okay. And I never tutored the kid again. That's all I Mm -hmm. knew. I knew it made me uncomfortable. 
That's enough. Yeah. You know? That's the first real memory I have with that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And that was in elementary school. Like fourth grade, maybe. So they come up with a plan. For an accident to happen to Pauline's mother. And they, is... and they justify it in their minds that she's rather like a miserable woman. Yeah. You know, she, she's got no reason to live. And they say that only the best people fight against all obstacles in pursuit of happiness. So somehow in their pursuit of happiness, they, they have to fight against all odds. What they mean by that is they have to kill one of their parents. The specific Pauline's mother because she was working so hard to keep them apart. Yeah. The day of the event, Mm -hmm. Pauline describes the night before, like the night before Christmas. Yeah. She calls it like the day of the happy event or something like that in her, in her diary. Well, since the next day is whenever Juliet was supposed to leave, I believe. Mm Mm-hmm. Pauline, Juliet, and Pauline's mother, they go out on a little... A little outing. Yeah, a little outing together. Just the girls, you know. Go to a tea shop. Yeah. It's like the girls are prepping, you know. So Juliet shows up at the house. Mm -hmm. She has her purse with her, which has a brick in it. She's collected that from her house. And the girls are just like moving around and the girls are acting very awkward mm-hmm. around. There's a moment when Pauline's mother, when Honora turns away from them doing something in the kitchen and they both kind of come forward and just look at her real intensely like well, they're going to do it right then. Yeah, because she's leaning over the oven yeah. or like leaning That's into right, the oven yeah. and it's like, they're just going to shove her in the oven now? What, you're just going to hand this to us? Yeah. <laughs> you're just going to give us this opportunity? <laughs> yeah. <Shit>. So... <laughs> After that, the girls, they go into Pauline's room mm-hmm. Well, Juliet left her purse out there. They go in and they're bustling around the kitchen. Mm-hmm. She hands Pauline's mother some fruit and it looks real ominous. Every, every movement, to anything, yeah, especially toward her mother is ominous and everything looks like it's with intent. And she's like, oh, pop them in a bowl. And she's like, come to my room. Go to my room, Deborah. I, I wrote the first five pages of my sonnet or my, like my opera last night. Oh, okay. And off they trot, and then they realize they left the purse, and they go back for it, and then they're up in the room. Mm-hmm. And that's when Juliet says, "Your mother's rather a miserable woman, isn't she?" I'm getting, I'm getting like tensed up now because <laughs> I feel, I feel like there was a moment in time whenever Pauline's mom had her hand and like handed it, or had the person handed it off. Mm-mm. No, I don't believe so. Because I wrote on here that it was a missed opportunity to say, "What well, you got in there, rocks?" <laughs> Maybe she picked it up and moved it once, yeah. but didn't. I don't think she commented on how heavy it was. Yeah, she definitely didn't comment on how heavy it was. And that's why I say it's a missed opportunity. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think she picks it up and moves it at some point. And they're like... <gasps> yeah, but it's like that whole morning, ever since Juliet got there, Juliet just seems nervous as fuck and looks like she's about to throw up. Mm-hmm. And Pauline... Fiddling and... Yeah, and Pauline is just like, just looks mad and angry. And they, uh, they take, they go up to her room. When they're in the room, she puts the piece of brick in a stocking. Mm-hmm. And at some point they talk about when she's describing the happy event or the night before that they discussed that they were going to use a brick or a rock instead of a sandbag. And I would laugh about that, but this is, this is someone's, <laughs> this is the murder of an actual person. Yeah. This, this is like a dramatization of real events. Yes. Oh my God. It's like honey boy all over again. Oh jeez. <laughs> I thought about that when I was like, damn, two weeks in a row, movies based on real events, but <laughs> dramatized. But I've been trying to, I'm, I've been kind of silly. I was singing the donkey song earlier, but uh, this is all based on fact. 
to the point where, sorry to derail you again. Oh, no, you're good. I'm looking at my notes anyways. As much as possible, this was all filmed where things took place. The tea shop that mm-hmm. they're in was the actual tea shop they went to. The path that they're on is the actual path. That's fucking... And when we talk more about this, I'll say something else. But it's fucking gnarly. The tea shop was, was, like, demolished a few days after shooting. Wow. Yeah. So, the girls, they get the stocking with the brick together. Juliet, Pauline, and Pauline's mother hop on a train. They go to wherever their destination is. Mm-hmm. As soon as they get off, they end up going to this tea shop. And they're gonna go for a walk after. Yeah, but they had gotten some like pastries at the tea sh- with their tea. Yeah, and there was one left, and Pauline was like, "No, mom, go ahead, treat yourself." I wanted to stab her in the face when I heard that the first time, and I'm like, like even when I watch it now after I've seen it a million times. Yeah, like I just I hate her so much in that moment. Mm-hmm. Like this is your you're gonna you you have the opportunity to back out of this right now. But I feel like I would have hated her more if she would have eaten it instead of giving it to her mom. But if she had any kind of sympathy or kindness for her mother, she would Dude, not yeah. have fucking killed her. Yeah. She, at that moment, treat yourself, mom. Here, let me treat you to life, mom. Let's get back <laughs> on the bus and go home. Yeah. yeah. So, after... <laughs> I'm sorry, I got real heated about that. After the tea shop, they go out on a walk. Mm-hmm. They walk further and further to, like, was it a shoreline? Coastline? Mm-mm. They never reach one. I don't know what the path is. I don't know. But they're walking along a hiking trail. Pauline's leading the way. Yeah, Pauline's leading the way. Mother's between them. And then it's Juliet in the rear end. Pauline's mom ends up saying, you know, it's getting late. We need to get back. Catch the train. Pauline distracts her mom by talking to her, which allows time for Juliet to grab a ring that she had brought with her to drop onto the ground. Which eventually becomes a distraction. Yeah, when, when they turn back, she's like, hey, look, Mom, something mm. shiny. So, Mom bends down, grabs the ring. Pauline pulls out the stocking with a brick in it and just wallops her. Yeah, it's right in the head. Yeah. And the noise. It's... The first time I watched this movie, I was a lot younger. And I had a lot less experience with real pain. Mm-hmm. And the types of noises that a person could emit in that mm-hmm. type of situation. Because whenever I watched it, I was like, what the fuck kind of noise is that? You know, like what, what? Why but, isn't she screaming? Like, yeah. Like the top piercing scream. But knowing now what I didn't know then. Yeah. It seems very. It's. Truthful. True. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that instinctual pain mm-hmm. where you're not trying to sound a certain way. It's just reaction. Pauline hits her mother in the head with it a couple times, hands the stocking brick off to Juliet, and Juliet holds the brick and smashes Pauline's mother's head with the brick a few times. Both of the girls are covered in blood. There's this moment before Juliet hits her when Honora, the mother, like, looks up at Juliet with her hand out and Juliet's walking toward her. Her face is covered in blood, like, help me. And then Juliet just takes the brick and hits her with it. Yeah. After they have murdered Honora, Mm -hmm. it brings you back to the very beginning. Harkens back to the beginning. Yeah, brings you back to the very beginning of the movie where the girls are running through the woods, up the trail. They get back to the tea shop. They're screaming, crying. Woman walks out who, who runs the tea shop. Juliet says, help us. Yeah. Pauline says, it's mother. She's terribly hurt. 
in real life, the account is that they said, uh, mother's fallen and hit her head. Yeah. When they hearken back to the beginning of the movie, you also see that scene that's in black and white. And you've seen it a couple times, I think, in the movie. Juliet and her family are on a ship. And at one point in the movie when The brother's not there either for this part. No, no, he doesn't exist as far as they're concerned. At some point, Pauline, or uh, Gina, was on the boat with them and they were a happy family. Mm -hmm. But now, Deborah, Juliet is on the ship with her parents, sobbing, screaming for Gina, Mm -hmm. who is Pauline. Paul is stuck in the crowd trying to get to them saying, no, don't leave me, don't go. And the ship is pulling away and it's, it's, it's just, uh, It's like Juliet is on the ship and she's got a big crowd around her keeping her back. Yeah, they can't get to each other. And Pauline is on the ground with a big crowd around her. Yeah, and the girls are unable to get to each other. And then it cuts to Pauline in the middle of a field covered in blood and screaming. Yeah. And then words about how... They were arrested and to be detained at Her Majesty's pleasure or something like that. The words at the end of the movie say they were convicted of Honora's death and they talk about how it was found out that Honora and I can't remember her dad's name, her husband were never married. And so Pauline was tried under the name Pauline Parker instead of Pauline Reaper, her mother's maiden name. They're both convicted, found to be of sound mind at the time. Because, I mean, they were. They Mm -hmm. plotted this. Yes. Whatever kind of imaginative things they did and other kind of hallucinatory things they seemed to be doing. This was was premeditated. This was fully premeditated murder. And they both served some time. And they said it was a condition that they never meet in life again. Mm -hmm. But that is not true. They were not to be around each other in prison. Because I think they were in the same prison at one point. Or maybe the whole time. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I didn't see that anywhere. But they were not to meet while they were serving their sentences. But they could have contact because they've they've both been released. They both yeah. They lived only lives. spent five years in prison. Yeah, because uh. they they were not eligible for the death penalty because they were teenagers. Mm-hmm. So they went to prison in nineteen ninety nineteen ninety fuck nineteen fifty fifty four, and they were released in nineteen fifty nine. Juliet went on to become a, a well known mystery writer yeah under a pseudonym yeah a murder it is a victorian murder mystery yeah. novelist under the name of ann perry took bill's name thought that was interesting yep and pauline was kind of a recluse mm-hmm. and uh kind of devoted herself to working with kids and horses yeah she now yeah. uh pauline parker is now hillary nathan and runs a writing school for children yes the murder of honora in the movie was actually not anywhere near as violent as her actual death. She was hit over 45 times and there was evidence that she was held down at the throat and she was face up when she was hit, but they found her face down. I think that's what it was. They found her face down. So it was, he, Peter Jackson scaled back Mm -hmm. the violence and it was bad enough what we saw. Yeah. And also the, um, to go back to, Filming at the places things really happened, they were going to film the death of Honora at the place where she was found murdered, but they said they got there and it was so quiet. There was no sound. There was no wind. There were no birds. There was no noise that they moved on a little ways to film it instead of filming there. Yeah. Which I think, good call. Don't fucking do that. Don't film the murder of someone where they were actually very brutally murdered. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you, Peter Jackson, for that astute decision. <laughs> it seemed too eerie. Yeah. In it's, that location. That's a little too on the nose. Yeah. It's not. I feel like the, it feels the tea disrespectful. shop. I feel like the tea shop is enough. And then yeah. the fact that they're on the same fucking hiking trail. Yeah. Let alone it being the exact location. That's too much. Yeah. So, um, good call. Moving farther along the path that she died on instead of the exact place where she died. Or where she was killed. Let me rephrase. Yeah. But, so, that's Heavenly Creatures in a nutshell. It sure is. Well, let me find out what the stars are on IMDb. Oh, yeah. Oh, both actresses went on to be uh, well known for roles where they played someone the name of Rose. Yeah. Everybody knows Kate Winslet as Rose in Titanic. Uh, I already forgot her name again. Melanie Linsky. Melanie Linsky played the character of Rose in Two and a Half Men, the neighbor who lived down the street who was obsessed with Charlie. Yes. I knew Melanie Linsky from um, Ever After. She's one of the sisters. She is. <gasps> Fuck. She was also in But I'm a Cheerleader. Hillary with the glasses. Was she? Yes. Wow. It has been eons since I've seen that movie. She Obviously, was in, I need to uh, brush Detroit up on Rock it. City. I know I knew her from a bunch of stuff, and then I found this, and well, my brother I think introduced me to this at some point, mm-hmm. as he did a lot of things. <laughs> but I knew her first from Ever After. Yeah, and then of course you know Kate Winslet from, from fucking Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I've only seen two Kate Winslet movies in my life, and like I, I still like her. She's yeah. still cool. Uh, but the Titanic and the Holiday, I think, are the only two I've seen. With Queen Latifah. <laughs> Isn't it? No, that's Last Holiday. Oh, shit. Which I also love because Queen Latifah is in it. But Mom liked the Holiday, so I watched it with her all the time, and I finally kind of learned to like it. <laughs> I don't think I don't really care for Jude Law that much. I don't really care for Cameron Diaz that much. But why do I have so many actors well, and actresses I'm, that I don't... I do, I'm not a fan of Cameron Diaz. I mean, I liked the first Charlie's Angels movie, but... Never watched it. It's fine. I'm sure I'm not the demographic they were going for, or the demographic that ending up like it, ended up liking it that much, but I was young when it came out, so it's kind of nostalgic for me. Yeah. Anyway, this movie has an IMDb rating of 7.3 stars out of 10. What's yours, Tiffany? It had been a long time since I had watched this movie. So, in re-watching it, it was almost like I'd watched it for the first time. Mm-hmm. Because you know me, I forget shit very easily. Can't relate. Uh, <laughs> Which is funny, because you don't. You remember a lot of things. I remember the stupidest of stuff, though. But you don't remember Pertinent. movie stuff. Yeah, not at all. Not at all. It's funny to me. Because you remember <laughs> so many things. I was very unsettled and uncomfortable but I was very engaged. The acting, it was the girl's first movie. Of course, it's, you know, there's going to be some flaws, like I said, with the <gasps> of Kate Winslet, Melanie Linsky. Yes, yes, very good. Oh, Only took the entire podcast. <laughs> um, I feel like her performance was astounding. So, I will just say... I'll give this movie an eight. Eight. Okay. Cool. What is yours? I, I love this movie. That's one I, I watch over mm-hmm. and over again and I show to other people as every other movie I've ever decided to talk about on here. <laughs> this is one I had discovered on IM, not IMDb. But, but didn't I, I show see. you this one? No. 
Oh, well, I've watched it forever. I'm surprised I didn't show it to you. I yeah. thought I did. It, well, you had shown it to me, but I had already seen it. Oh. On okay. IFC. Anyway. Because IFC was fucking balling back it's in the day. turn. I really enjoy Melanie Linsky. Um, I enjoyed the acting. I really enjoy Peter Jackson. Peter Jackson's movies <laughs> when he directs. Uh-huh. Um, I'm a little bit of an LOTR nerd. Yeah. So, um, anyway, all that to say, I also give it an eight. That was really fucking easy then. <laughs> yeah. I did want to, um, I, I wish I had said this back when we were talking about them planning the mm-hmm. murder. Because this is a direct quote from the diary Pauline's diary where she says the next time I write in this diary mother will be dead how odd yet how pleasing if you have any movies that you think are underrated or deserve more exposure please email us at the observation bubble at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you but I want to leave I want to leave on another quote from Pauline and from Pauline's diary I hate to relate to something but it's just it's talking about her and Juliet, and it says we have decided how sad it is for other people that they cannot appreciate our genius that's good for us i I concur thanks we're not quite as we're not nearly as diabolical yeah or as imaginative honestly (laughs) but it is sad that people can't how often do we talk about how awesome we are and how great we are and how funny we are or we used to. Maybe Quite we don't often. anymore. <laughs> maybe we don't anymore. But we used to say, I love us. Yeah. I don't say that anymore. Hmm. You know what, Leah? I love us. You know what? We're okay. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> bye. <laughs> Goodbye. Why do you do that? I don't know. Oh. <laughs>